Welcome back to the Quiet On Set podcast. I'm Ewan Graf and I'm joined by Lachlan Teeley. And today we get to review the new Steven Spielberg film, The Fablements. A coming of age story about a young man's discovery of a shattering family secret. An exploration of the power of movies to help us see the truth about each other and ourselves. So it's getting deep with Fablements that's out on VOD now. So you can go Check this best picture front runner. I assume it's going to get in there, be relevant for the rest of 2022. Like we already discussed a couple of times before, if you've been active on the channel, the best film that Spielberg has done uh, in the decade. Oh, for sure. We agree on that. Uh, so I'm really excited Lachlan, to dive uh, into the Fablements in this spoiler review. So you've been warned. The film is out on VOD. Go check it out for yourself uh, because we are going to get into specifics uh, off the plot and into Spielberg's life, I guess, in this autobiographical film that, by the way, is, I think the film that's, I can't think of another one that does it as well as this to feel like it's autobiographical, but it also has a lot of moving parts that just come together in a great way. So luckily, I want to know from um, you, well, what did you think of, of the film overall? I 100% agree with how you described it because if you didn't realize it was autobiographical in a way, it could have just been a really good, cute story about how cinema mm. is extremely powerful at recovering from trauma or a shattering family secret in this case. Uh, that's yeah. what I loved about this film. And to then have the, I guess, the meta layer of it being a Spielberg movie about himself in a, in a sense, uh, mm. it just added that whole extra layer of going, this is a way that, He's probably he's probably over it, but it could be a way that he's also trying to recover from this, again, shattering family secret by making this film. So if I'm totally honest with you, I had no expectation of it being good. And I think mm -hmm. that can stem to a conversation of Spielberg's previous uh, decade of work not being very good. Uh, I've yeah. always said that I'm not the biggest spielberg fanboy i know there's a lot of people who just mm. love spielberg's work and i mm. will say that his previous work his old work is is fantastic but his more mm. recent stuff i feel like from like 2006 when did went world of the war uh world of war uh world uh, that was war 2005 of, i can't even fucking think of the name war of war of the worlds was, worlds, was yeah. it was called yeah uh 2005 i feel like yeah yeah, from War of the Worlds, even that wasn't, you know, spectacular, but I had a great time watching it. Uh, mm -hmm. Spielberg's work wasn't really, you know, 2005, War of the Worlds, Munich, Crystal Skull. Yeah. Say what you want about it, but, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's a miss. miss compared to the rest of the franchise. Yeah. I would say Adventures of Tintin is probably mishandled. I think it's fantastic. I enjoy my time with Tintin quite a lot, but again, I don't think mm -hmm. it's, Anywhere near the level of, if we go to early 2000s, Minority Report, Catch Me If You and, Can, or yeah. The Terminal, which all lit up before World of the Worlds. And then you've got like the BFG, Bridges of Spies, Lincoln. I think Lincoln was fine. Yeah. Uh, West Side Story, Ready Player One. Like this, it just gets to this kind of point where they all just go, yeah, they're okay, but they're not timeless mm. classics like E.T. Yeah. or Jurassic Park or Indiana Jones. He established some really awesome cinematic memorable movies and mm -hmm. now he made just ready player one the most messy cliche stereotypical spielberg movie 
you could think of with cameos yeah. from every single IP ever existed. I think it also goes to say that he hasn't written uh, one of his own, own films in a long time. Since AI, this has been the first one that he has written. And he's never one to, I, I guess, write his own screenplays. But here, he obviously had to because it's autobiographical. Mm. And man, the, the dude is a great writer. Uh, way more than I expected him to be. He is basing it off of real life, so it's just normal conversations that I guess he had. Um, yeah, but like the way that he goes about dramatizing them or staying really subtle with how he dramatizes them is so effective, and it might come off the wrong way if it were in the hands of another filmmaker. But mm. it was so captivating. I I watched this film because it's out on VOD. At home on my, I can only say I don't have, I don't really have a Dolby Atmos. I think I just have surround sound. It's nothing fancy. I think, I don't know. I'm not a tidy show. I just got Sorry one. to hear it. <laughs> that was already used. But I watched this with my little brother and the film is uh, quite long. It's two hours and 40 minutes. It took us four hours to watch the film because we paused it a whole bunch and then just had discussions about our own life, about our own family dynamics that didn't feel like um, I don't know, forced upon us because they, they they thrust you into something emotional, but it goes really in really nuanced directions of seeing. You know, Avatar, we just talked about that, says, I see you. I can't remember another, another film uh, that I've seen in recent memory that uh, is doing the I see you with all of its characters as well as in this film. It, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It brought me to tears a couple of times. I, I, was, I was so touched by... Uh, this film overall. I think where we could definitely say its biggest strengths are other than Spielberg's hand in the work is the performances by Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, yeah. and uh, Gabriel LaBelle, uh, the three main characters, uh, mum, dad, mm-hmm. and obviously Sammy uh, in this film. Which, uh, they're all props excellent. to him. Yeah, props to him. You You might know him from... 2018 Shane Black, the Predator movie that we don't talk Beautiful. about here. It's a great uh, Otherwise, it will, no, otherwise Lachlan will go into a big old rant because, uh, anyways, we won't get into it. But going from that to it's such a hard performance here where you have to nail it. And I think he does. I think he works for me a lot. Uh, and I, I don't know how much he has to do because he gets to do that performance where it's like the misunderstood artist a bit that is just kind of looking at other people and from the outside that seems like it's a bit easier than the more showier performances uh, in the piece but ah i was captivated by by how he portrays the, the drive for filmmaking and i i had to pause a couple of times and just go like pace around the room was like oh man oh man i, yeah. I gotta write something i gotta film something it really it just i don't know it gives off that energy of like of that filmmaker energy you just you just gonna you just want to do your own thing you're just gonna start working on it but then also brings in the complexities of well this is also a destructive thing because it's really really egotistical i guess from the standpoint of the family to go chase after your dreams and neglect i guess the rest of your family and like i think it really wants to focus mainly on that uh at parts I, I thought the family stuff was even stronger than 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 those moments. But uh, what did you mm. think about the the art versus family side of the plot? Uh, it's a very interesting idea where you know you've got a parent who's creative and a parent who's you know scientific 
and you want mm-hmm. their love and support and you want to do what you want to do, but there's obviously one parent who's all for it and the other parent who's, ah, you know, it's a cool idea, but maybe you should focus on the important things right now, like school. So the whole yeah. art versus family storyline was was uh, very interesting throughout uh, because while it was there, you feel you felt like Bert was a more compassionate father figure than mm. uh, his mother. Well, I mean, her mother, his mother wasn't a father figure, but she he was the better parent. He was the one supporting yeah. Sammy, buying him the gear, supporting his his passions, and was still like, make sure you focus on other things as well. But he was mm. the one who fueled Sammy's uh, drive for creativity, while the mother wasn't creative in the same sense that Sammy was. Sammy was mm. driving for it, pushing for it. She, obviously, as a pianist, wanted to do something, but just never went anywhere. So I felt like yeah. there was a bit of jealousy there that she didn't get to do what she wanted. And she wants the best for Sammy, but she also wants the best for herself. And that made her quite selfish and then made her quite selfish in the actions that she went down, obviously, yeah. shattering family secrets. Uh, but I mm. felt that, that Paul Dano's father figure was the one that was supporting Sammy the most. He was the one that was the most mm. surprised, the most amazed. And he was obviously yeah. you know, scientific in his, in his mindset. So when he obviously saw that uh, gunfight and was like, how did you get the gunfight? So he was trying to figure it out and he couldn't figure it out and mm-hmm. poked holes in the film. And he went, oh, that's so smart. And he was just, you know, he was engaging with Sammy in both a creative way. He was like, your film is great, but, how did you do it? How did you get, because no matter what, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people think about this is while that filmmaking is a creative field, there's a lot of technical stuff to yeah. it that is mm-hmm. extremely impressive, especially with the early days of uh, creating films. Uh, when it was filmed, obviously had to come up with a way of doing it mostly in camera and even including the early 2000 uh, CGI rush where they were just building you know, computer applications to be able mm-hmm. to do a thing. And it was just, they were creating stuff to be able to make movies. Yeah, the stuff that we rely on, on on a daily basis, at least for me, like Photoshop and all of those programs came out of the, the need for something and then it was, was just built upon. So a lot yeah. of invention happen, happening there and it's like new invention of storytelling, uh, new invention of, I guess, the way you produce film, the way you cut it, uh, I I loved because I never got to cut film. Uh, I assume you probably are the same. You got some films developed uh, for for pictures you made uh, that you shot on film, but not like an actual movie. Uh, and to see like him going through that experience, like the way that he labels like his shots and stuff like that, uh, it's just it's just really fun to see someone's creative process and and their drive on it, and then mm. not overly focus on it's about him making it it's about the family overall it's it's a coming of age film uh with just a creative person at the center of it which i think is one of the critiques i got there is that like the coming of age aspect of having a bully at school although might be real and might be necessary it felt like a straight, I guess, out of like you know a 60s 70s 80s movie where we got those old school uh, villains in there and I, I think it tries to subvert it by the movie that he showcases of of what's it called beach day or whatever no, not beach day but like the day that they are at the beach mm. and the way that he he frames them 
and it goes about like the power that you hold. It's very meta in that sense because he's telling a story about his his family that he gets to frame, you know, and paint in a specific light. And then he goes on and paints someone who uh, was an asshole, like an asshole, and then another person who's an asshole and paints him in this slightly sarcastic but um, overall flattering light. And the other person can't grasp that. That I don't know how, how well that moment worked for you. We'll get to that in a second. But the family, you know, you hold a lot of power over it. And there's also the moment where they are fighting and then it just, you know, shows him in the mirror and he's just holding the camera, figuring it out. It's really on the nose of what's going on here. But because it's Spielberg and it's because it's done with like some uh, sweeping motion, it's like, oh shit, that is like such a smooth transition. Uh, I'm such a Spielberg fanboy again, and I'm happy to be because he used to be one of my favorite filmmakers, and then he was a bit of a letdown in the last decade. So I'm really glad that uh, this movie uh, hits so hard for me. But, but, but what did you think about like the bully plot and all of that? It was dumb, but it was necessary uh, to bully yeah. Sammy because you're never going to reach your creative potential <laughs> yeah. unless you're put down by someone who is yeah. uh, sportier than you. So mm -hmm. fuck you. So fuck you, Luckman. Go make a movie. Bully. Yeah. Yeah. God. <laughs> Go make a yeah. movie, man. Yeah, I feel like after this film, F doesn't stand for family anymore. It stands for Fableman. That's uh, kind of all I have to say. Uh, I think this is one that you should uh, really enjoy in theaters. And uh, if, if you really haven't seen the film, I don't want to spoil this cameo, but the end, John Ford, David Lynch. I was oh my crying, God. laughing. I it was, was That's the best cameo in film mind. history. That is the that best. Was, I was going to say the same yeah. thing. When they were yeah. like, the, do you want to meet the best film director of all time? And I was like, who mm -hmm. are they going to show? And obviously it was like, yeah. oh, it's John Ford. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, cool, cool. And then in walks David Lynch. And I was like, okay, that is the funniest thing because he is one of the greatest movie directors of all time. And yeah. I was losing my mind that it was David Lynch playing. And it was like, he wasn't even pretending to be John. He was just like his normal David Lynch voice. Just being like, <laughs> walk yeah. over there. Walk over there now. Fuck you. Like, it was like, it was such a fun scene. Um, mm -hmm. That, for me, that was the best part because it was a highlight. For, that was the highlight of the movie for me right at the end. And it was just, it just put me in a good mood. It was like, if the, if the horizon's at the top of the frame, what, is, what do you say? It's boring. But if the horizon's <laughs> at the bottom of the frame... It's interesting. And I was like, okay, yeah. cool. And then the last shot is like <laughs> him walking down the film studio lot and it's like horizon in the middle of the shot. And then the camera just shakes and moves up. So it's at the bottom. And I was like, oh, okay. It's you've ended that's the movie such perfectly. an amazing way to and end the like, film. And I was like, what? What? It was Spielberg putting all of his eggs in this basket for the past 10 years so he could make a good film finally? I don't know. I don't know. But like, it was a great ending. David Lynch in this film is wicked. I'm sorry that we spoiled it, but yeah, it's it's such. Well, a Well, you've fun probably seen the film because we did give that uh, um, spoiler warning. I don't know which movie it was, but um, you know the opening where he goes into the theater with his friends, and then they keep talking after they've shot like something, and then he keeps moving up uh, the rows, you know, to to focus on the film. That's a John Ford film that they watched there. Uh, so it, it, it comes like full circle as well in a way that uh, I didn't find like self-referential or like meta or like annoying in the sense that it opens and closes with John Ford and the inspiration while paying respect, you know, to, to the people that have come before. But 
I I'm completely in love with this film. Uh, but uh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Go experience it yourself. And uh, Lachlan, where do you arrive at as a rating for The Fablemans? I gave The Fablemans a four out of five stars. Cool. I'm landing even higher. I'm putting it as a 4.5 out of five. One of my favorite films of the year. Uh, probably in my top four. Definitely in my top seven. Uh, but yeah, really solid film. Don't miss out on it. Uh, Going to be a big player. I'm rooting for it. At the Oscars as well, but there's actually quite a few films that I'm rooting for. Really solid year for film overall. Some great films to catch up on. Uh, but you can catch up with us each week on the Quiet On Set podcast. Each Tuesday, we got new episodes out there. Subscribe to not miss out on the content that we put out throughout the week as well. You can find uh, our socials linked below in the show notes. And without further ado, Lachlan, uh, let's make the shot interesting and tilt up the camera. Uh <laughs> Because I it's, can't do that. So I'm just like going this. to move my desk. Yes. Up. Look, that's the horizon. That's <laughs> that's that's a light bulb, and that's the end of the review. So see you soon.